this? Ugh, this is so boring. What else is on? Welcome to a brand new episode of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, an animation podcast for geeky girl experience. I'm Hope Mullinax, and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch my favorite animated shows. In this episode, Seuss needs a date for his cousin's engagement party and looks to a sentient dating simulator game to help him talk to girls. We're talking about Gravity Falls, Seuss, and the Real Girl this week. I'm sorry, I just... Because you know how last night I said uh, Home Makes Chris Watch Cartoons instead of J. Guys and Jedi? And I was like, oh man, I almost said J. Guys and Jedi tonight. And it threw me off throughout the entire opening. <laughs> wow. How you doing, Chris? Good. You having a good week so far? Yeah, I'm glad this episode wasn't like my prediction and didn't have a, a real girl doll in it. Real doll girl or a real doll in it or something that it was based on a video game and not... <laughs> they couldn't Creepy do that. Doll. That is in my notes, though. But yeah, they could not get away with that. <laughs> they got away with some stuff in here. If they did, hoo haws jamboree. Yeah, hoo haws. Hoo haws. <laughs> Alex Hirsch, you're a funny bitch. Do anything fun? Uh, well, I was editing today. I got out a little bit. It was even more summery today than it was yesterday. Yeah, more Indian weirdly, summery. It is weirdly hot. Like, weirdly hot. Yeah, tell me about it. It's November here. It should be getting wintry here. We already had one snow, and it's been summer for the last week and for the next few days, too, it looks like. Gosh, we've just been, like, flirting and or breaking records here in Georgia, and it's just, I don't like it. I like my cold weather. I, well, I, you know. I, I like it. it. I so, like it just fine. Well, you're up north where it's cold for like half the year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in Georgia, we only get like three cold months and I want them now. <laughs> so, did you like this one? I did. It wasn't one of my favorite ones, but I liked it. Oh, okay. That's interesting because I was like, this one's a little bit more horror. So I was wondering if, if that would kind of notch it up for you. Yeah, but like the horror is not as horror. Like once... Oh, what is it? What 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 is that video game that's that has the uh, animatronics? That's Five Nights at Freddy's. Five and I Nights have at a, Freddy's. I have a note about that. I mean, the Five Nights at Freddy's stuff is creepy, and the, the you know the stalker stalker <laughs> video game girlfriend is is a good horror thing, but it isn't. It, it's just not as creepy as Bill Cipher. It's just sort of another. It's it was Monster Week. I was more into the. Uh, Stuff, the character stuff going on in the side more than anything else in this. And this is really honestly like Seuss's first big episode. Seuss's big episode. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. It took me a long time to learn to love this episode. Actually, people on the show might not know this, but people from J Guys and Jedi know. So um, I have a little bit of a phobia of AI, like robots and like artificial intelligence and those kind of things like really creep me out so when this episode first came out i was terrified like it it shook me i was it, it got me like i was in a bad state for like a few days and, and i hated it because i was like this was such a good episode for me like i liked having seuss's 
episode. I like Melody. I like a lot of the things in it. But I finally have reached the point where I've seen this episode so much, it doesn't bother me anymore. So now I can, like, really appreciate it. But the first time I watched this episode, I was like, I didn't sleep well that night just because I don't do well with the AI stuff. I just don't. It's not. No, I can't. (laughs) So... This was like two degrees of AI. It was like one AI in the video game, and then it got into the AI of the robots. So it was uh, covered all the bases. Well, are you ready to get into this? Yes. All right. <clears throat> Seuss and the Real Girl is the 25th episode of Gravity Falls, and it aired on September 22nd, 2014. It was written by Alex Hirsch and Mark Rizzo. The director was Matt Braley. And the storyboard artists were Emily Cesariga, Sabrina Catagno, and Alonzo Ramirez Ramos. And I, this is actually just a note for Kate, one of our patrons. Yes, this is the same Emmy Cesariga who helped create Harry Potter Puppet Pals that you and I used to love and actually made a little fan video of like 15 years ago. Same Emmy Cesariga. Anyway, <laughs> some extra information for you. Melody is voiced by Jillian Bell. Her other works include... Workaholics, Bless the Hearts, and the upcoming Disney Plus show Godmothered. Giffany is voiced by Jessica DeSico. I know this because I looked it up. DeSico. Giffany is voiced by Jessica double. It's the double S in C sound. Giffany is voiced by Jessica DeSico. Who sells seashells down by the seashore. I can say it's It's DeSico. It's DeSico. DeSico. But saying Jessica DeSico is very difficult. Yeah, because it's got a, a CA right before it. So it's just, yeah. It's Jessica tor- DeSico, who is also the voice of Tambri in the series. Gary, the hoo ha owls jamboree employee who was in love with Wally E. Badger and gave him a little kiss, is voiced by Paul Shear. His other works include The League, Star Trek Lower Decks, Be It Fresh Off the Boat, and so many more. And John DiMaggio is uncredited as the rapper for the song Cash Money! Two of the child background characters in this episode, who also have small speaking roles, are named Mariah and Nicholas. These two background characters are based off of and voiced by Nicholas Isir and Mariah Admondson. These are two children who visited the Gravity Falls Studios through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. The title of this episode, here you go, Chris, is a reference to to the movie Lars and the Real Girl. The film follows Lars, a kind-hearted but mentally ill young man who develops a romantic yet platonic relationship with an anatomically correct sex doll named Bianca. Yep, I haven't seen that movie, but I've heard it's real creepy. (laughs) It's It's sweet and creepy. Apparently it won a lot of awards and stuff like that, so I was, because uh, I, I had to look up the summary of it, and I was just kind of like glancing through, and I was like, oh, look at all the awards I was nominated for. I thought you would like this. One of the games in the background of Hoo Ha's Jamboree is Virtual Owl Travel, a reference I saw to, it. The, to the last season commercial, Owl Travel. I saw it. Yeah. I saw I the actually, Owl Travel. I actually missed it the first, like, a few times until I saw it. And I love it because the little owl has... It's an owl with a trowel with a helmet on. And it looks so cute. Well, uh, you have to have an owl game in hoo-hahs anyway. Oh, that's true. That's true. When she first appears, Melody is shown to work at Meet Cute. A play on the phrase Meet Cute. 
an event where two love interests first fall in love in a sweet and somewhat awkward way, echoing the initial interaction she later has with Seuss. And finally, here's your other note. This episode is often compared to the horror video game Five Nights at Freddy, which was released only a month before this episode came out. The game centers around a fictional pizza restaurant called Freddy's Fazbear Pizza, where the player must act as a night security guard and defend themselves from a malfunctioning, homicidal, and haunted animatronic characters. When this episode aired and fans compared it to the video game, Alex Hirsch corrected them, saying that they had written this episode over a year before the game ever came out. But yeah, like that that was such a huge comparison between the two. And it was just coincidence. Like there was no connections between the game or the creators of the show. But Five Nights at Freddy's came out like August, I think, fourth, and this is September twenty second, I think it was. So they were only a month apart. And I'm sure like when Five Nights at Freddy came out, Alex Hirsch was just probably like, Fuck <laughs> Yeah, it probably helped both of them. It probably didn't hurt either of them. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It just what? it created synergy. But B, let me see if I can put Synergy against animatronic characters. <laughs> I like that the guy who was kissing the animatronic was sort of like the, the puppet guy from last step. What was that, Gabriel? Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, I mean, he's he's very similar to the puppet guy, but he's more of just like a working stiff version of puppet guy. But he was still really into his, uh, his fake puppet things. <laughs> so the exact tweet was somebody had wrote, Somebody was playing Five Nights at Freddy before writing this episode, and Alex Hirsch wrote back, in quotes, the same thing. Someone was playing Five Nights at Freddy in this episode, and he added, we wrote this episode a year before that came out. <laughs> As the exact response. As always, Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons is broken into parts. Part one is talking about story themes and character. Part two will read from Dipper's journal entry. Part, the next part is going to be the ciphers and connections to previous episodes. Then Chris's speculation and theories corner. And finally, we'll round off the episode at the end. What was your favorite part of the episode? And put a little Jimmy on those jams. As soon as I saw the stand called Meet Cute, I knew what was. I knew that was where we were going to find Seuss's girlfriend or love interest. Mm-hmm. Um, Thyclops. I like Thyclops. I'm and sorry, what? Thyclops. Thyclops. It's one of the attractions that uh, Stan was preparing at the very beginning. Oh, him blowing the eye to the leg. Okay. Yes. Thyclops. I thought it was like some store in the mall, and I was like, how did (laughs) I not? What? (laughs) No. And and also, you get a a glimpse of uh, a mermaid, a taxidermied mermaid, Mm -hmm. and that's based on a real fake taxidermied mermaid that went around for many years you know yeah, the Fiji mermaid um, like, that's actually you know, been there since season one so yeah it was always good to see the Fiji mermaid um that was it for for those I also have one on the side but I don't remember where I saw it it says edgy on purpose oh that was Is that a one tv of the show no it's a knock on hot topic Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what the Hot Topic store was. Yes, that's right. Edgy on purpose. (laughs) Yep. As someone who worked at Hot Topic for many years, I love that. (laughs) Because fuck Hot Topic. And their bullshit corporate ways. Piece of shit. Fucking cunts. Anyway. (laughs) Sorry. I did not have good experiences working at Hot Topic. I could couldn't imagine you would. <laughs> you know, when it comes to like hot topic, I liked 
I liked my assistant manager. I loved my customers. I liked my coworkers, except for my store manager and the corporate structure. And the corporation didn't listen to us when we were saying our manager was horrible. It was so bad that other stores were coming trying to headhunt us because they saw how badly we were being treated. When I say badly, I mean like working 18-hour shifts, falling off ladders, exhausted bad. It was horrible. My assistant manager is one of my very best friends. I've known him for over half my life. And my coworkers is, is we were all good, but it was just my store yeah. manager and the well, district that, manager who wouldn't listen to us. Like we had constant that's, injuries that's, and stuff. That's not hot topic. That's working in a mall store. That's the structure of every store in the mall. No, no, but like yeah. our actual corporate was horrible. Like, yeah. like we were constantly. Yeah, we're, spoiler. Corporate is horrible. Period. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but like, it was, it yeah, was no. bad. And no, well, that's that, the thing. Like, I've worked for several corporations, and they all have like their like flaws and stuff like that. But Hot Topic was just bad. It was like injury bad and not caring, like stealing money from me bad quid pro quo harassment bad like it was bad i have horror stories working there oh yeah 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 it, so- like, it I, sounds like I, people who worked at um oh what was that pizza place <laughs> i can't remember the pizza place but there was a pizza place that sounded like it was similar working conditions yeah if, if you had to make a choice um i also worked for several years through college at spencer's gifts spencer's gifts was lovely i really enjoyed working there they were a really great corporation and a really great company and they were really nice and yeah, like, but we like other stores would approach us on our break to try and get us to come work for them because other stores how, saw how bad they were, like that we were being treated there, and they were trying to like they felt bad for us and was trying to save us. It was so bad. <laughs> They're the ones that came up with the bad nickname for our manager, which was Bichelle. Oh. Other stores came up with that name because she would come into their stores and criticize them and stuff like that, which is why they tried to save us. <laughs> it was bad. So I laugh at that edgy on purpose joke because I'm just like, yes, I get it. Anyway, my favorite parts of the episode. I still laugh to this day at Abloita saying that grandpa's in hell. I have a note to that that affects says Seuss's grandpa's in hell. It's one of those things that it always catches, like, the first time it caught me so off guard that I just died laughing well into the commercial break. <laughs> and it's still one of my favorite moments. It's the way um, her eye. It's the way her eyes sort of look down while she's doing it. Just sort like, of like, yeah, about your grandfather. <laughs> and, and the deadpan delivery too, of just like, yeah, no, he's not there. <laughs> just it's a very deadpan delivery too. I love the you can't undo who you are. <laughs> during the also during the fight scene where Mabel is running up into the play place, but she pauses long enough to take off her shoes while she's being chased by monsters, and I think that's a really cute little detail. She uh, doesn't just take them off, she tucks them into their little slot, too, where I they're know. supposed to go with their little storage slot. I know, it's such a good little detail. My, my biggest thing, and it's my favorite part, um, I just love all the little anime and video game references from the poorly translated in thing ding can happen, and, like, Giffany's dad being an octopus, to, like, the chibi eyes, I, there's so many like just the little t- trees nuts. with the pink flowers falling off them. Yeah, the sakura blossoms. Just there's so many just like little things. It rings true to to like Japanese video game novels, to horror games, 
this feels a lot like Doki Doki Literature Club, which came out after this. But it feels like Doki Doki Literature Club maybe took a page from this. Like, there's so many little things that there's a lot of magical girl and slice of life anime stuff in here, too. Uh, I love it. I love it. I, I grew up with that stuff. I remember reading very poorly translated manga when I was too poor in college to buy manga. And I definitely probably read something along the lines of anything ding can have to plan. I, I just absolutely love it. So it makes me laugh so much. That's a little like, if you give me a compliment, my eyes get more sparkles. <laughs> I love that moment. So my Zeus kind of goes into my melody, which kind of goes into my Giffany things. Do you just want to kind of just go start there? Yeah. I, I like finally having a Zeus story. I don't think this is the strongest Zeus story because, but I, but I still like it because Zeus has been needing a story to revolve around him. And I like how it shows, it initiates from the beginning, what Seuss's relationship is to everybody else. Because when they realize that he needs to get a girlfriend, everyone's giving him advice. Everyone's trying to help him. Like, and even Stan, in his own gruff way, is trying to give him advice. And I like that because it really shows how they care for him, even Stan. And how they want him to be okay, and pretty much, especially Dipper and Mabel. Like, they flat out say, like, you have done so much for us, now we're gonna help you, and... And, and I like that that from the get-go, we see that this is going to... It's kind of like the reverse Mabel, how everyone, like, you know, always tries to get Mabel. Seuss is the other heart. He's the protector. And he's a good boy, and he deserves all the nice things! I noticed they didn't go in the direction of saying, like, geez, it's kind of rude of your... Uh, the, the family pressure thing, you know? Why don't you have a girlfriend, and you should have a girlfriend by the time your, your Fonzie cousin... <laughs> The Fonz version of you. Do you like Cousin Reggie? Isn't Cousin Reggie great? He's basically, yeah, the Fonz version of <laughs> Seuss. So it's like, oh, he's the cool one. He's got his leather jacket on. I but, like that like, Seuss calls him a poor man Seuss, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has that much confidence in himself that Reggie is the poor man Seuss. Yeah, Seuss probably should be going out and meeting girls. But it's just like, Seuss, you have to go out to get a girlfriend and they're sort of helping her pressure him by, you know, Mabel is full force. To, they're taking him out and pushing him right into it. Of course, he's asked, he's wanting to at that point, but he's really, he's kind of under pressure to do it. So, Absolutely. but they didn't really, they didn't really like go into that that much. They didn't go, it was just sort of an accepted aspect of his life. He, he lives with an old Spanish woman who thinks he should have a girlfriend by this time. I have to wonder if Seuss would have been, well, just to put bluntly, such a spaz if he wasn't under the time clock. And of course, that would, you know, that is right. the plot of the episode. Um, if he had that kind of more natural time and stuff, I, I think he could have easily, like, just stole Met Melody the exact same way. But it's it was the time crunch, which is a great literary device. This is exactly how you use time crunches. Though, I noticed that there's, like, a weird consistency thing because... Unless it's just, you know, getting towards the end of July or something like that. Abuelita says that Reggie's getting, uh, has an engage engagement party next month. And then not even 30 seconds later, Susan's like, I can get a date in a week. And I was like, wait, <laughs> I guess we're rolling over to July or something. <laughs> or August. Yeah, I think they just were sort of like. <laughs> yeah, it could have been July to August, though, because this only takes place um, over the course of three months. Oh yeah, the time crunch. But that that is a nice literary device because that sets up the comedy of the episode, that sets up the plot of the episode, the tension of the episode, 
of we need to get this done for Seuss, but we have to get it done quickly. When honestly, naturally, Seuss would probably just like to. He's the Zen character. He's not the time crunch character. Yeah. He's Zen, and the Zen character. Yeah, he got it. He got he got a full date without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. He didn't know he had a date till they till they told they explained it to him. I and love he did him. all the stuff that he did all the stuff that he was supposed to do naturally without thinking about it. It just happened. So yeah. that was that was just a nice little touch, you know. Absolutely. I, I do like them pumping him up for the day too, and they're like, How does she look? Nice! Who's gonna pay for dinner? Susan! <laughs> I like that scene. And I think so much of what this episode does so well is from from with the kids to fighting the monsters, fighting Giffenayethi and stuff like that, it really highlights the best parts of Seuss. For one, he's loyal and he's loyal to these kids. He's loyal to their family and it shows in return that his loyalty comes back to them. He he has so much love and he cares for people. He's the one that's wanting to protect Melody and the kids. He's the one that's always wanting to do the, what he can for the mystery shack and be there for Wendy and stuff like that. And I like that his kindness is finally coming back to him because we've seen him be kind for like a season and a half and like put himself out there. And he's finally getting something in return. And I think that's a really nice moment at the end where he actually does end up getting a good girlfriend. And Melody's great, which we'll get to Melody in one second. I agree. You know, I, I wanted to get your take on this because one thing that I constantly see, and I just want to preface this by saying I don't feel this way. But they play on a lot of the stereotypes of, like, basement video game anime guys. And a lot of people took this episode as very negative in that way. That they were playing on those tropes and stuff like that. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Do you think it was mean-spirited or what? No, I I, I thought they seemed to be aware of that. And they dodged a lot of easy jokes that they could have made about it. And let's be real, there are real stuff like, hey, let's teach you how to date with this video game type of things. Or there's definitely a subculture of guys who sort of like crush on anime girl, animated little little schoolgirl with big bow t- bows in their hair and stuff. They sort of t- they turned it on its head and made her sort of like she's almost like the revenge for all of them, you know. <laughs> She's like the opposite of the the char- character where she's the the, the, the basically um, oh what was the Glenn Close movie Fatal Attraction you know Fatal Attraction hand that rocks the cradle sort of crazy obsessive girlfriend where it's usually portrayed the other way around that the guy and Seuss and and Seuss isn't doing it because he's backwards or or whatever he's just sort of. He's doing his suit thing. He's sort of rolling with the flow with her. But he also is pretty aware of the dysfunctionality of it once it gets going. I love that moment when she shows up in the mall and he's just like, that's great. Kind of a red flag, but mostly yeah. great. <laughs> but he sort of sloughed off the red flag, but it stayed on. And he was just like, yeah, this is OK. I see why the, this is not a good thing. I have to wonder if. If Seuss wasn't exposed to all the weirdness of Gravity Falls, if it would be more of a red flag, because we're talking about somebody who, you know, like murdered a submarine trickster, has gone up against mechanical Loch Ness monsters and stuff. And I think, I wonder if that's the reason why Seuss is like, yeah, I can roll with this video game. That sounds fun. I've I've done worse. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Candy Monster on Halloween. Yeah. So here's why I don't feel like it's mean-spirited. 
just knowing the cast and the creators and knowing the people behind it, it feels like it's more of them poking fun at themselves. A few things I didn't note was Matt Braley, who is the director of this, he was also consulted in the writing, and he is a self-proclaimed weeaboo. And just for anybody who doesn't know, a weeaboo is a mostly derogatory slang term for a Western person who is obsessed with Japanese culture, especially anime, often regarding it as superior to all other cultures. So, like, he is a self-proclaimed weeaboo, and so was Alex Hirsch's girlfriend at the time. Um, when they were writing and creating these episodes. And then you also have one of the storyboard artists. Like I said, she helped her brother create Harry Potter Puppet Pals. And if you were around in the early 2000s when Harry Potter was at its height, you have seen the Mysterious Ticking Noise video of just like, like, what's that? The Snape, Snape, Severus, Snape, Dumbledore! Like, you've seen that. And these people are nerds. Look at the show. We know Alex Hirsch is a nerd, but they've made labyrinth jokes. They've made all these, like, nerdy jokes. Uh, I mean, look at something like Fight Fighters, which is just a love letter to video games. And so I feel like this is more poking fun at themselves because they themselves are aware of these stereotypes. And I think a lot of them have lived with these stereotypes. Versus another show that, you know, I loved while I was running, Big Bane Theory. Like, I watched Big Bane Theory, but I was often felt like it was mean and i i feel like mean as being like when i was i used to be a manager of a comic book store i worked like at, the people who wrote the characters hated those characters and hated the people that they based the characters on or hated so. themselves or something yeah that's yeah, what i yeah. got off that like i was a manager of a comic book store so when i would watch big bang theory and they would have episodes where you know the female characters would enter a comic book store and all the comic book boys inside would stare at them like they were fucking unicorns that's not true I had a majority female comic book store and it made this whole stereotype just felt like it was very painful and hurtful. Like they were making fun of it. And I lost track how many just random people would come into our comic book stores and act out Big Bang Theory scenes and then laugh at us and leave. And I feel like that's the difference here. Like something like Big Bang Theory felt like it was punching down while I feel like Gravity Falls is punching up, but at themselves. Big Bang Theory suffers from why I hate sitcom most sitcoms most sitcoms aren't about addressing those real the real characters of those nerds they're more of addressing they're more of a representing society's view of it in the broadest terms that's just a fancy way i guess a convoluted way of saying stereotypes yeah so like if you ever seen happy days it's just like there was no family like that and like a greaser like the Fonz in Happy Days on a, a biker guy like the Fonz in Happy Days was most likely not like the Fonz. You know, he was probably more likely to be racist than anti-racist like the Fonz. The Fonz wasn't sexist and he wasn't racist and but he was a guy in the 50s. So it, it's just like the broadest and then most like whitewashed literally and figuratively usually version of stuff i i I mean i don't mean this as a as an apology for the big bang theory because i hate 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 that show it makes me viscerally angry every time i I try to watch it i still love it but there are parts where i'm just like i don't love it no i don't love it it's it's just it's just sort of like it reminds me of commercials in the 80s where all the characters are saying Aren't we awful? But isn't it kind of cool that we're this awful? 
and it's just sort of like this like yeah i know don't we all realize that we're all just pieces of shit yeah <laughs> and then the audience laughs and or or they all realize they realize what their shortcomings are and then they just like lean into them it, i don't yeah blah, 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 blah. <laughs> this isn't a show like that i mean anything that's in the in pop culture is fair game for being satirized and I think this is very gentle satire. It's a little bit of satire, but it's mostly they mostly use it for plot devices, and they don't go for any easy jokes. And I, like I said, I feel like the the writers and the creators are poking fun at themselves too. I felt that way through the whole show so far. <laughs> yeah, very much so. You know, it seems like there's sort. Of, it seems sort of like Alex Turser's uh, sense of humor. Yeah, absolutely. So, what are your thoughts on Melody? Well, you don't learn much about her, or well, she, actually, you don't. Cute. You don't don't get a lot of her, but what you do get really draws like some good broad lines about what a strong character she is. She's not the female version of Seuss, but she's a female compatible with Seuss. She's someone who rolls with the flow. I'll have more to say about her later, but yeah. She's obviously got a strong ego and is also not afraid to be kind of a weirdo. She's sort of drawn like, like a Peter Bagg character. mental ego, not like full of herself ego, right? Right, well, just the ego as that component of your psychology. That's why, so, okay, I just wanted to make yeah. sure that's what you were referring yeah, yeah. to, not like, I have ego and I'm full of myself. <laughs> no, she's not full of herself at all. She's she's yeah. just kind of, but she's, she's, she's unselfconscious. Or she's just very comfortable. She's comfortable in her own skin. Yeah, and I like how I like how you said that, like compatible but with broad strokes. Like she's not in this episode a lot, but what we did get of her, we saw that she's a little awkward. I love her itchy leg scenes because I've been there where you, you know, you just shaved your legs and they're all itchy, and you're just like, ugh. <laughs> like I've been there, girl. So I think when we get to see like who Melody truly is, is when shit's hitting the fan. And they're fighting all these animatronics. And what does she do? She picks up a chair and she slaps one of them with it. Yeah, she could have run screaming out of the place after the first thing happened. Yeah. Weird thing happened. And I, lo- I love her logic when Zeus is just like, Dipper and Mabel will protect you. And she's like, these are children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's such a good line. But that's that's the funny thing because she's just like, whoa, these are children. But it's also sort of just a quick narrative way of catching her up with the di- the dynamic here. Yeah. And if I was writing it, and I don't know, maybe maybe this maybe this isn't a prediction I put down, but because it's not, it's just a prediction prediction. But like, you know, you could have her meet when she meets Stan. Sometimes she goes, "Oh, okay, I see. <laughs> These are the adults," <laughs> and I could see her having a line of something like, "Okay, it all makes sense now," you know. I, I liked that about her, and and afterwards, <laughs> I like that she, you know, still sits with Zeus, and she's like, yeah, that was weird, but uh, you know, don't date magicians. And he, and I love how he's just like, ew, why would you date a magician? <laughs> the only thing weird about Gravity Falls and the like, the artwork in Gravity Falls is a character like Zeus. Zeus is almost and her, they they're almost like indeterminate age. They could be anywhere from like. 15 to in their in their maybe 30 but every once in a while you get a line from like that line from melody where you go like oh yeah they're right they're adults and seuss drives a car but he could be 18 i think seuss is in his 20s though 
Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing he's supposed to be like in his mid to, to later 20s. Jesus age, gravity falls. He's 22 years old. Oh, okay. Like G- Gabriel, last issue, the puppet guy. Like he could have been, he could have, he could have almost been Mabel's age. It was hard to tell, you know, until he mm-hmm. started. Or, or well, no, that's right. He was supposed to be Mabel's age. I thought he like when he first was doing it. I was. But he acts he like he's like adult. a tiny twenty-year-old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, and he looks like a tiny twenty-year-old. So sometimes the artwork will uh, be a little confusing, but they always throw in enough dialogue so you sort of see where everybody stands in comparison to everybody else. Yeah. I love Melody. I think she's such a good character, especially for Seuss, because you're right. She's not the female Seuss. She's just she's very compatible and she has that nice kind of balance with him as well. Unlike Giffany. What were your thoughts on Giffany? Oh, she was. I mean, as far as the character goes, there's not much to her because she's a glitched out video game so you can't it's not like she's gotten well i guess more than like monster of the week like just general thoughts on giffany yeah outside of a monster of a week it's it's hard to think of her as a character okay this is a variance on all the different obsessive girlfriend or you know that but like any kind of obsessive relationship i'm sure there were some elements with where and stuff similar to like obsessive boyfriend stuff in a movie or something did you like how she went from video game to animatronic and that oh yeah well she was yeah 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 well they just explained yeah you just figured out real quick that she was just able to jump into anything electronic which totally makes sense in Gravity Falls anyway, especially once you saw that, you know, he was playing the game without it being plugged in. Did you think she was a very effective monster of the week compared to like, you know, like our cryptid kind of things that we're doing? No, I like the cryptic things a lot more. This kind of monster of the week, I don't take it as a source of suspense. I take it as a source of amusement of like how they're going to, you know, what genre they're going to be sending up and how they how that how it plays out. With, with the characters so i like the idea of the haunted animatronic characters the Chuck E. cheese sort of characters but it sort of got subsumed because they were basically taken over by her so it was just sort of like them through giffany it was more of just like i was i was just down for the jokes in this one more than yeah well, bill, bill cypher is legitimately creepy and scary this is just like you can beat him down with a chair. <laughs> <laughs> you could take the you could take the disc and and chuck it in the fire and melt it. I like a lot of like the little things, like when the big bear is chasing Dipper and it hits the button and the tickers the tickets come out. And it's just like yeah, your tickets, yeah. I like Tiffany. I think she is a terrifying little villain, though. I have to wonder because she kind of runs in the same field as like several times where she comes from outside of Gravity Falls. Because we know from just her backstory, it's assumed that this game was created in Japan, which tells us that she's not from Gravity Falls and that this game has just kind of migrated there. But I I love her as a villain. I think she she has that like Gladys from Portal kind of edge to her, but wrapped up in a cute anime girl. And I love a lot of her animation. They brought back the, oh, I meant to look up his name, Whoever, the guy who did the 8-bit animation in Fight Fighters for Rumble McSkirmish, uh, he came back and did all her animation too. And it's gorgeous, and there's so many like little uh, nerdy things. But I, I just love that step up into the animatronics. Like, that just changes the tone of the episode. 
because I think that's where it took a little bit of a step up from Fight Fighters, because with Fight Fighters, they had to just, like, they just had to beat Rumble at his game, or, or let Rumble beat the crap out of Dipper, actually, and then Rumble was gone. But I feel like that's, like, a step up from that episode, because Giffany's an actual threat. She does not need to be plugged in. She is just there. Now she's in a metal creature hunting them down. Yeah, there is that little layer of Five Nights at Freddy. This plays directly to, to the to the Hope Mullinex fear stem in your brain. It's just like a direct feed. Yeah, you know? it used to be. It used to be. I'm a, I've seen this episode so many times it doesn't bother me anymore. Right, but it's still, it's your thing, you know? It is my thing. But, you know, it wasn't just my thing, though. A, a lot of people, like, this episode really creeped them out. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember when it came out, like, the, uh, this episode had a lot of discussion, and sadly enough, a lot of that discussion was also wrapped around Five Nights at Freddy's, which was very popular because it had come out a month before. And so there were so many comparisons, but there were also just, like, you know, talks about, like, Giffany as a character, as this obsessive female character, and, like, thought pieces were written about that and stuff. It did lead to a lot of conversation, and a lot of people loved Melody, too, so yay, Melody. So... I, I, I love Daphne. I think she's a really good, she's a really good threat, but it's interesting that, like, several times, she has come from outside the town and has wandered her way into the town, which is a good town to be in, you know, if you're going to be a weird, cursed video game, Gravity Falls is the place to be, so. Yeah, no, it probably attracts stuff like that. Yeah, probably does. Anyway, next part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I see. Said the blind bat. I see, said the black bat who's not allowed to spoilers. The black bat. <laughs> the blad, the blat, the blat. The bladder bat. What did you think of Stan's little B plot trying to get an animatronic badger? It was cool. The badger part, okay, whatever. I love Goldie. I, I thought was... you would like Goldie. I thought you would. Yeah, Goldie's the kind of, I would love to have like Goldie in my house. Goldie is just a great old like yeah, that's something that would have been hanging out in my dad's house too. And I liked I liked that like <laughs> the one oily tear from Goldie. <laughs> yes. I just love when the first time that they use Goldie and it just starts screaming just like ah! Screaming and sparking and spitting oil, vomiting oil, and farting. It farts at one point, like smoke comes out its butt. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and I like that it's the little MVP of Stan's story. Like, it's what saves him from the badger. Yeah. <laughs> I like Stan's story, too, because um, we've already established in the show that Stan is petty and greedy. So, of course, he just wants this badger to make money. But it's when that Gary Weirdo guy, played by Paul Shearer, Gary, insulted Stan. That's when this became, like, a, yeah. a story of pride. His pride was hurt, and he was not going to let this, like, little, this little shaver, this little shaver guy show yeah. him up. And I love that shift that it went from petty and greed to, oh, no, I'm doing, I'm stealing a badger. Well, it <laughs> gives him pride. permission. That, that From that point on, it gives him permission to go and steal it now. Now it's a per- now it's personal. Listeners, if, if if someone makes fun of you, it does not give you permission to steal something. <laughs> I'm yeah. talking internally, internally. Oh in yeah, Minecraft. In uh, Stan's mindscape with his Stan crabs, his Stan crabs were like, "Steal the badger, steal yeah. it, steal it." Well, they were saying, yeah, they were saying saying that before the kid was even 
even rude to him. Then when he was rude to him, they're like, I told you, look at it. Now you got to take it. Yeah. Yeah. That kid's asking for it. (laughs) He doesn't deserve to kiss that badger. Yeah. Bye now. He doesn't appreciate that badger. (laughs) Though I will say like. I'm not stealing that badger. I'm liberating it. Saving it from Gary. His Gary kisses. Gotta stay. Gotta save Willy Wally B E Badger, whatever his name was. <laughs> that the sounds ch- like a '70s sitcom. Gary and the Badger, or a, or a morning morning zoo crew on the on the radio. FM radio. It's <laughs> Gary and the Badger. Uh-uh. It's funny because morning FM radio is a tiny little part of next week's episode. So Ooh. good job. Oh. It's just like a like a joke. It's a joke bit. But hey, you're there. <laughs> the other part of Stan's story that I really like is, you know, we had a lot of scenes of just Stan and Wendy. And I don't think we've ever got a lot of any scenes before of them one-on-one. So it was kind of cool just to see, like, what sort of, like, boss and play relationship they have. And, like, he... And she's aware of his antics. Like, she's trying to give him advice. She's trying to, like... She even offers at one point, like when Stan is opening his briefcase and putting on his black gloves, she's just like, do you need to talk? (laughs) You look like you need to talk. And I like seeing their relationship and like she knows to get his orthopedic back pillow. So she's been around him for a while. And I can't think of any other time that we've had so many just Stan and Wendy scenes together. And that's a nice little dynamic that I wish we had a little bit more of. But I like seeing them together. I like that dynamic. I forgot about that, but she this is, she keeps him at like sort of an arm's length aloof. She had her of avoiding eye contact magazine. She is still the employee, so she is keeping the arm's length. But it's when he gets starts getting really serious and takes out the briefcase. She's just like, "Do you need to talk, dude?" But like, you know, I like that. And he asks her his advice. Like he like, he's just like Wendy, this badger. Like this badger would be great for the shop. And she's like, "I don't care." And he's like, "I don't. I we're gonna get the badger, Wendy. We're gonna get the badger." <laughs> So it's a cool little dynamic that we just don't get to see a lot of. I like Abuelita throughout the entire episode and just kind of lurking. She's a lurker and I like it. Well, she's stalking. He's getting stalked by everybody. Everybody's sort of on his tip. She's reading his diary and she's like, well, basically he's her soap opera. So. Mm -hmm. And my only other note that I have is cash money at the very end is such a great song. Yeah, it was, what was the last line? It was like, I made a big mistake. Yeah, something like that. Like, this is a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Don't judge I, me. I just love those things like, gonna get honeys. Gonna get married. This is a mistake. <laughs> it's gonna get married. Don't judge me. And then this is a mistake. <laughs> but that's all I had for Susan the Real Girl. Did you have anything else? No. All right. The next part is reading from Dipper's Journal, Mr. Journal number three, where we're going to get the end of Giffany's story. So, journal number three, there is a hair stuck to my arm. Get off me, hair, because you are tickling my arm, and it tickles. Anyway, this week, Dipper's Journal is actually written by Seuss. I'm not going to try and do a Seuss impression. I'm sorry, I can't. All right, here we go. From Seuss's point of view in the journal. Giffany, this is the best joke. The manic pixel dream girl. Such a good joke. That is a good joke. If you guys don't know what it is, look up manic pixie dream girl to understand. It's it's almost it's almost too good for Seuss. It's almost too not it's almost like something Seuss wouldn't make up. 
that feels like a joke because because Alex Hirsch wrote the journal number three, yeah. and it felt like that was a joke that he wasn't able to get into the show. Yeah, and he was probably like, "This joke is too good not to get in here." But Seuss isn't Seuss isn't witty. He's Zen, but he's like he's he's more blunt, literal than anything. But I'll take it. It's a good joke. It's a really good joke. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I wish I'd said that joke. Sup, dudes. Seuss here. Just had a nutsoid experience with a terrifying digital lady monster named Giffany. Since I'm the only one who got to know her all up close and personal, Dipper asked me to write this journal entry. I'll do my best, dude. I bought Giffany, pronounced Jif or Gif, as a dating sim at Bleebly's Boops video game to teach me how to talk to girls better. Here's my game review. Graphics. Pretty nice, dude. I dig her crazy electric bow and her eyes were mad sparkly. Number two, gameplay. Pros. It was fun eating sushi with her, carrying her books, and watching her try on outfits. Cons. She tried to murder me. Ha <laughs> ha. Number three, multiplayer. Not good. The moment I introduced a second player, Melody, super sweet girl, by the way, Giffany flew into a jealous rage. Real talk. The multiplayer mode is way better in Plumber Brothers Mustache Cart 64. 4. Hidden content. I guess she was originally some kind of accidental AI that murdered her programmers and has been searching for someone to love her or die ever since. Girls are complicated, dude. Judging the experience overall, I bought this game to get better at talking to girls. And you know what? It actually worked. So I would give this game a Sue score of 4 out of 5 pudding cups. Rated E for Eek, she's gonna kill me! And then it has five, 4 out of 5 uh, drawn-in pudding cups. I do feel kind of bad about throwing her CD-ROM in the p- pizza oven to defeat her. I really think she's a sweet gal when she's not in murder mode. I hope she's not, like, you know, dead. And then on the next page. Update! Giffany isn't dead at all. Apparently, when her CD was sparking in the oven... Her code wirelessly jumped into one of the arcade games. You'll never guess what game she landed in. Fight Fighters. Based on what I can see in the cutscenes, Giffany is trying to make Rumble McSkirmish her boyfriend now, and it has a little drawing of Giffany and Rumble McSkirmish together. Although it's sort of a complicated relationship, since they keep shooting lightning and fire at each other all the time. Also, I think he has commitment issues. Actually, I guess it's not that different from a lot of relationships, except for mine. Me and Melody are, like, totally an item, dude. And not like an item that you lose and have to find again and re-equip. An item that upgrades you for life. Our shared scream time over distant chat is a way better than the time Rumble and Giffney seem to have. My heart bar is overflowing, dudes. Call me crazy, but I think I might marry her one day. Just don't tell anyone. Oh yeah, you're a journal. Journals can't talk. <laughs> See, I think he's 100% wrong when he says that it was because of her that he got his date. Him getting the date was completely had nothing to do with her at mm-hmm. all. Nothing. You know, though, it, was, think... it was literally when he completely sort of just forgot for a second about her and just was in just sort of normal mode talking to her that did it and he wasn't even in the mall because of her he went to the mall to go meet girls so it was all it was because of basically himself and dipper and mabel yeah i mean actually dipper is the one that said that game helped you 
And I don't think Zeus would have thought that if not for Dipper going, that game helped you. <laughs> yeah, no, Zeus did nothing of any of the, like, they made a, a point of showing you all the, the choices he had to make, and they were all just sort of, you know, basic politeness choices. But he was doing the thing with her, just like be, basically doing the be yourself thing. But I mean, I'm not saying it's bad writing because Seuss could say that and be wrong. I'm just you saying know, he's he's wrong. That, it was him. He got his own date. He did. We we know that Seuss puts a lot of value into like what Dipper and Mabel says to him. So I'm sure if Dipper was like, that game helped you. He was like, you know what? Dipper yep. said so. It did. Yeah. He's kind of like Launchpad from the new DuckTales of if Dewey says something, Launchpad's like, oh, you're so wise. <laughs> Guys, watch DuckTales. It's so good. That's on our list eventually after we get through like four more shows. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, yeah. New DuckTales is so good. All right. It's time for our ciphers and connections to previous episode corner. So connections to previous episodes. While this is his first appearance, Zeus's cousin Reggie was mentioned back in Fight Fighters. And speaking of fight fighters, there's so many callbacks to them. As we see Rumble McSkirmish, Dipper mentions bringing a video game to life. And of course, we just read in journal number three that Rumble and Giffany end up getting together, which is super cute. And finally, for the connections, Agent Powers and Agent Trigger, the government agents from Skarioki, briefly appear on the second floor of the Gravity Falls Mall when the family first arrives. And Mabel's like, it's the mall! And you can see them up on the left side walking across the top. Totally missed it again. They're, they're sneaky on purpose. <laughs> it's not like they're being like, there's the agents. And for the ciphers of this episode. So when Giffney is, ha- is having her backstory and a bunch of binary scrolls by, when the binary is decoded, it says Space Jam 2, which is a reference to the sequel to Space Jam that was announced earlier that year. Did that actually come out? There Was there a Space Jam 2? Uh, it's 2021, I think. Oh. I think it was supposed to come out this year, but COVID. Oh. But actually, Nick, no, I think it might have always been 2021, now that I think about it. I don't know, but it is coming. <laughs> I never um, saw Space Jam 1, so. See, I think it's one of, hmm, you might not like it as adult, but it was one of those, like, childhood staples of mine. So, like, I was just like, everybody get up, it's time to jam now. And, like, it's yeah, such no, a nostalgia like thing. Yeah, it, it's- it seemed like it was sort of uh, the Muppet movie for that generation. Yeah, and it's so, it's actually funny. This, the original, like, Space Jam website is still up and working, and that's from, like, the 90s. And it looks like it's from the 90s, and it's still up, and it's still working. <laughs> it is a relic of the internet. And as for these other ciphers, the cipher at the end of the credits, when it's deciphered, it reads, Anything ding can have the plin. <laughs> And finally, the flashing page one at the end is based on one of my favorite things of all time. It's something I grew up with. It's one of my favorite shows, and it's based on Sailor Moon. And the cipher one is decoded, reads, Winning hearts by daylight, possessing robots by moonlight. Her emotional baggage is the real fright. She is the one named Giffany. She'll never turn it back on her friends. She is the only... I'm sorry, it's the Sailor Moon theme song. <laughs> That's what it is. So. Ah, Sailor Moon, I love you. All right, Chris, what are your speculations and theories for this episode? Well, I think Melody is going to quickly become more integrated character. 
Because okay. I, I just, even though she's in another state, they're going to figure out a way to do it. That That's just a minor one. That's just like, I, I, I think they like shaded her character well enough that they planned on doing more with it. But I, th- I think Giffany's going to end up sometime in a moment of chaos on infecting Stan's computer. She'll be used somehow to meddle with Stan's computer. Okay. Anything else? That's it. Anything with the government agents since they made another appearance? No, because I didn't even see him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I would love to take this moment. And, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be Christmas soon, guys. And Lord knows I love you. And we're all going to not be together because it's COVID. But I sure do hope that Kate curls up with Joe by the fire. And Bree and Alex has some lovely hot chocolate together. And Patrick is all just like, I love Christmas. And and Lynn and I are going to swap presents that morning. And Billy is going to be like, here's my kitty blop. And I'm going to get this hobgoblin a lovely Christmas present. And Heather's going to be like, oh, man. I'm going to sit down and watch the Lego Star Wars holiday special for Christmas. And Brian's going to look at his wife and be like, I love you, Christmas wife. <laughs> wife on Christmas. <laughs> Christmas is more than just on Christmas. It's year-round wife. <laughs> Christmas wife seems kind of creepy. Sorry, honey, you gotta leave. The Christmas wife is coming over. I know. Sorry, sorry. It's just like you hear this <laughs> knock on the door. Oh my god, the Christmas wife is here. <gasps> it's the real girl. Did we? Did we? Did, <laughs> did we make that? Did we make the fake wedding ring out of sugar candy and and a? Uh, a, ri- a cigar ring? It's like Robot Santa from Future. Otherwise, she'll but a tear wife. down the house. Yeah. And demand alimony. Oh my god. I'm sorry, Brian. That came out weird. You know I love your wife. She's such a sweetie. And Gene's gonna curl up with his family and they swap in presents with his daughter. And just so you know, when Christmas rolls around, I'm gonna be thinking about all y'all. He's got a Christmas wife and he's got a dog. He's, he got, have- a, he's got a Thanksgiving dog. Arbor, he's got an Arbor Day Tweety Bird. And I'm going to be thinking about all y'all on Christmas and think about how thankful I am for all y'all. So Merry Christmas um, or Happy Holidays or whatever. And in case this is comes out after Christmas, then, you know, well, I'm fucking wrong. <laughs> I just love the time lag. It's like 60 degrees outside right now. I know. It's going to hopefully be colder by Christmas. But thank you guys I for being my... I could have snow in five days from now, so, you know. But thank you guys for being my lovely patrons. You guys mean the world to me. Thank you so much. So, all right, Chris, what are your final thoughts on the episode? I liked it. It was it was good. It was another another sort of episodic episode. Except I think it was really it, like what it did was introduce the uh, melody into the mix. Yeah, I like this episode a lot too. It's about time Seuss had his own episode. And it's been some time coming, and I love Melody as a new character, and I think Giffany is a a very unique kind of horrific fun. Like she is, she's a really fun, unique character that really meshes in with the world well. So. Well, yeah, they're doing a good job of doing something like different every every week. All right, Chris. Well, where can people find you? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our podcast website where we have a whole bunch of podcasts, including another one I do with Hope called J Guys and Jedi, where, oh, next week in this timeline, we're about to finish Clone Wars. Oh, 
the second time and then move on to resistance. You can also find us on Facebook. We've got a Two True Freaks podcast and the Two True Freaks Cantina on Facebook. And we are also on Twitter. And the aforementioned Gene is is our Twitter master. And he runs that. The Twitter machine, Gene! Oh, it and is I asked about yeah, where can they find you? Well, of course, this is the animation podcast for GeekyGirlExperience.com. You can read all my reviews and everything there. Of course, I mentioned my lovely patrons, and you can join up and get your name shouted out at patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience to get early episodes. It's only $7 a month, but you can also support the show at any price you want to as well, even if it's just a dollar. I would appreciate that. I like dollars. Dollars can, you know, like, buy stuff. I like dollars a lot. <laughs> yeah, dollars do the trick. They do. When you get enough dollars, then you have multiple dollars. And mm-hmm. with multiple dollars, you can pay bills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you can also follow me at Hope Monix. Like Chris said, we have another podcast called J Guys and Jedi. And you can follow us on Twitter at jguysandjedi.com as well. Not .com. There is no .com. It's just at jguysandjedi. And I also have an Etsy store. It's etsy.com slash shop slash geeky girl experience where I do have Waddles merchandise. All right, Chris, you want to hear the title of next week's episode? I do. I'm really excited. I'm interested to see what you think of next week's episode. It's unique and familiar at the exact same time. And if I tell you anything more than that, it's going to kind of give away how next week is formatted. And I just want you to experience it. Okay. The title of next week's episode is Little Gift Shop of Horrors. Ooh, excellent. Any thoughts? Ideas? I mean, not well, that I can answer I you. I mean, it's going to be a plant story, I'm hoping. Who was uh, I talking to? I was talking to somebody who, when they were younger, had done a summer camp where they did, it was a little shop of horror summer camp, and they and they got... Oh, a, that was Allie last week. That was Allie, that's right. We last were talking week. about she and she got to play the puppet of young Audrey Jr., yeah, that was our guest Ali from last week. So, so yeah, so maybe we're getting an. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it's a uh, sentient flower, hungry sentient flower. We'll just have to wait and see. Maybe it's a musical. We'll just have to wait and see. Okay, uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Chris says bye too. Bye. <laughs>